Hey there, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get the gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions, such as how do I get my show on Spotify and all the other places people love to listen? How can I make money with this podcast? And where do I want to host this show? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors so you can get paid to podcast. As an Anchor user myself, I love how easy it is to upload my podcast and the fact I can get to Spotify and other platforms. Plus, I love the fact I can now start making money with my talent and my podcast. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. On episode 53 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, we're taking a trip to eastern Indiana for a conversation with Jesus Jimenez, sports reporter for the Palladium Item in Richmond. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, a podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcasts for every available platform. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. And now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to take time to mention this is the first phone call podcast episode that I'm doing, so this is pretty exciting. Also very nerve-wracking. Hopefully everything works out okay. I'm here with Jesus Jimenez, like I mentioned, sports writer for the Palladium Item in Richmond. Jesus, how are you doing today? Good, Lee. How are you doing, man? I appreciate you inviting me to the show and looking forward to it. Ah, not a problem. I'm okay. I'm excited, too, because on this podcast, I do my best to talk about Cincinnati and Dayton sports, and Richmond happens to be in the Miami Valley, too. And who else knows Richmond, Indiana sports like you? So the first question I'll ask, do people still call it the Palladium item? Um, yeah, I mean, most, most people do Palladium item or Pal item and, you know, palitem.com. So, um, yeah, pretty much. Jesus and I met during the Richmond River Rats years because I was the audio voice for the Pal item feed and I got to meet Jesus and also Josh Chapin as well. So, Jesus, where are you from and how did you find yourself in Richmond, Indiana? I'm originally from south side of Chicago, uh, huge Cubs fan, as, as you know. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was in high school, my, my I had three older sisters, and the youngest one of them, she's two years older than me. She was at Earlham College. Funny story, I guess. I, I never would have heard about Earlham if it wasn't for my sister. But when you know, when you when you, um, I didn't I didn't really play a whole lot of sports growing up. I started playing sports when I was in high school. And I played three years of JV baseball. It wasn't very good, obviously, a pretty late start. And then I wrestled my senior year and lost a lot of weight. And, and I thought to myself, if I can, you know, if I work as hard at baseball as I did at wrestling, why can't I play college baseball somewhere? 
So obviously I wasn't going to play at a Notre Dame or at a uh, LSU or any really big school. But, you know, my sister had, she, she was at Earlham College and I applied there. I liked, I knew it was a small, I knew it was at the time probably one of the worst baseball programs in the nation. But I liked the school and, and I ended up uh, coming to Richmond to attend Earlham College. <clears throat> Played a little bit of baseball there. And, uh, you know, obviously I wasn't a stud uh, prospect or anything, but got that opportunity. And I think everything happens for a reason. And I, I, I think, um, uh, you know, thanks to my sister inviting me to Earlham, I uh, I ended up here and got got a great career, one of my dream jobs. And again, I got to play a little bit of baseball and met my wife here, and um, you know, lived here about ten years now, if you count my four years at Earlham. What was it like playing baseball for Earlham College and the Quakers? I, it was a it was an honor. You know, like I said, I if you tell most people. I probably had no business trying out for the baseball team. But, you know, again, it wasn't very good. We had an interim coach, Joe Rodden, at the time, and he gave me an opportunity. And, um, again, I wasn't the best athlete. I was far from it. Um, but, you know, I worked my butt off, and I, I gained respect. It wasn't always easy. I mean, you know, it takes some time to get used to the schedule and the expectations. Like, I wanted to take my my fall break and go home, and and you couldn't, you know. So, you know, I, I had a couple base hits. I, I was like, I think two for eight as a freshman. My sophomore year, John Cape, the legendary coach here in Indiana, was hired, and uh, Steve Sackett, the current Owen coach, um, was his assistant. And just just getting to be around them, getting to play for them, practice for them, changed my life, you know. And same, same for Joe Rodden, you know, Joe Rodden gave me an opportunity and always gave me respect that I didn't probably didn't, didn't really deserve it at the time. You know, I, I was just far from a baseball player. And I think when it was all said and done, I, I um, made a lot of friends. Obviously, I wasn't going to go professional, but I made a lot of friends, learned a lot of life lessons from John Cates, Steve Sackett, Joe Rodden, and all my older teammates. So it, it was it was an honor. Got hurt my sophomore year, and I had herniated discs and, and back issues, and you can eat. I don't know if you know much about that, but if you if you uh, you know you can either get surgery or just go through therapy. Well, I went with therapy, and when I tried coming back my junior year, I felt really good. But after a couple practices, I I um, started getting back pain again. I thought, you know, it's not real. It's probably I've had my fun. It's probably time to to give it up. So I, Coach Sack and Coach Kate asked me to stay on as a student manager, and then. Then my senior year is when I got offered the internship at the Palladium, so I just turned my focus over to that. So um, here I am. <laughs> What's Earlham College like for those that have never been on campus? Well, let's see. It's a nice school. You know, when I was there, I, I always – I don't know if I'm the type of person that always thinks the grass is greener on the other side because when I was there, I couldn't wait to graduate. And now that I've graduated, I'm like, you know what, I, I, I probably could have enjoyed my time there a little bit more. And I grew up from a Catholic family. When you come to Earlham, there's all sorts of different beliefs there, which include atheism, obviously. And, you know, when you, when you go from a Catholic school to that, you know, it takes some time to get used to. But now that I graduate, I look back and I said, you know, I'm, I'm glad I had some different friendships and got to meet a lot of different people and you know we, we didn't always believe in the same thing but sitting down and having those conversations civilly 
you know, being able to have those, you, you learn a lot from them, their point of view. They learn a lot from your point of view. That, that's more of the social, social uh, life there at Earlham. But uh, academically, it was it was tough. It, it, it was pretty hard. Had a lot of great teachers there, and again, a lot of good friends. But now you mentioned how Earlham College is like. What's Richmond, Indiana like? I really like it, man. I, you know, I, I'm uh, obviously I. I uh, what, what I tell people is <laughs> funny, funny story again. You know, I I would have never heard about Elam College if it wasn't for my sister. I, I couldn't wait to graduate. I was like, as soon as I graduate, I'm going back to Chicago. Man, you know, in Chicago, you have everything you want. You you get bored, you go to down, you take the train downtown and and get to see some things. Or I didn't have a car my first year. My first year in college, I, I bought one, not my sophomore year, but it, it felt so small to me, but it grows on you. And my sister enjoyed it. She worked for Amigos teaching English to people here in Richmond, and she always said she would she would probably graduate and stay here a couple of years. Well, I wanted to get out of here, and it, it turned out the other way. I'm the one that ended up staying here, and she, she went back home. So I guess what's it like? It's nice because, you know, when you're around sports all the time, your whole life is enjoyable. You always have something to talk about with with the local people. And, uh, people are passionate about their sports, and they enjoy what you do sometimes, and sometimes they don't. But oh, I like it. It has everything you need. It has it has its bowling alleys. It has its Walmart, mall, all sorts of restaurants. So I enjoy it. And obviously, I'm, I'm a big fan of McBride Stadium, Randall Sadler Stadium. So. Yeah, I, I stay busy most of the time, and uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. McBride Stadium, such a classic venue for baseball. Yeah. I got the privilege to be there for two years, calling River Rats baseball. I mean, fantastic venue. You don't see a lot of McBrides anymore in the world. Yeah. Now, Earlham used to play at McBride, and now they have their own baseball facility. What's it like to be able to play on campus now? played at McBride. I never actually played at on Sadler. But I'll tell you what, man, growing up, like I said, I didn't play sports till I was in high school. But even when I was in high school, my, my uh, it was a Catholic school in the middle of downtown, downtown Chicago. So our home games were, uh, it was called Waveland Park. It had about four diamonds all across from each other. So we never played in a fence. My senior year, again, I played three years at JV. So my senior year, I played varsity and we were going to the suburbs, playing some some really nice stadiums, but nothing compared to McBride in my mind. You know, at that time, John Kate was taking great. Care. He was there all the time mowing the lawn, and you know, it, it was just you know we, we were spoiled. Um, now you look at, at Salem, I'm like man, I, you know, I'd love to play there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I get the opportunity whenever they have an alumni game. I just my schedule just just doesn't usually let me uh, allow me to play in there, but. Uh, McBride was, was beautiful, man. I, even if you look back on the memories of uh, running polls after practice, just having conversations, or when we got when we did something we weren't supposed to in practice when we were sprinting, uh, just talking to the rest of the guys, that, that's the thing you remember the most. We mentioned a little bit about how Earlham College is and how Richmond, Indiana is, but what's the sports scene like, and not just Richmond, but where you cover sports at? Um, it, it's it's beautiful, man. I mean, I um, you know, coming from Chicago, you always dream of major leagues or NBA or professional. 
and I remember coming to Earl and people were always like, oh man, IU or Ohio State or talking about the college sports. When you're in Chicago, you, you know, you get spoiled by, by the professional teams. But when you come here, see how passionate people are about IU or about Richmond High School, about Hagerstown, about Seton, even sometimes about teams that aren't doing well. The games get so competitive, even, even if, a, if a team is, say, 2-12 and 12 in basketball, and and in those twelve games, they're playing hard against another team. You get a lot of pride behind teams like that. You know, one one thing, obviously, Richmond basketball had its two, three tough years, but there were a lot of those games. If you if you change one play or a different play, their their record is completely the opposite. So those are you know, their competitive games are fun to watch, and you're not supposed to get too attached to them. Obviously, you got to go out there and do your job talk to a coach despite after a tough loss but you get attached to them you know you want to see them do well and when i first started here i really enjoyed covering the county schools because <laughs> because back then we cover centerville versus northeastern they're both local schools you're gonna have a happy coach anyway and you're gonna have a, a sad coach with all this too but um I, I enjoy it man you know high school uh high school basketball around here you're not going to get a whole lot of professionals or top prospects to come out of here, but the way they play each other, wanting to beat each other, you know, it's that, it's that old school mentality that you probably don't have a chance to win, but you're going to play like you have a chance to win and do everything in your power to win. And, you know, you leave it all on the line. You're happy with, with whatever outcome uh, you get. So I enjoy it. I, I, when the best part of my but my work is when we're in the middle of sectional basketball seasons uh, every Friday night in football season. Those are the nights that are, that are unforgettable. Those are great nights, too. I mean, just talking about last year, Connorsville beat Richmond for the first time since, what, 1939? Yeah. What, yeah. what a streak that was. That's probably not the game we want to talk about, is it? <laughs> no, well, I mean, hey, it's Eastern no, Indiana. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I remember interviewing both coaches and Counterville, they wanted to beat Richmond, and, and that says a lot about Richmond's history and the program. When when a school's goal is just to, one of the goals is just to beat your rival, and you know, you know, they call it rivalry, even though they call it rivalry because they're so close to each other, not necessarily because they're always beating each other up. But it it, it was um it, it was sad because again, it's it's the school that I cover lost, but it was also neat to get a different perspective and get video of counters of celebrating because obviously obviously it was a big deal. So sports definitely has changed since that streak <laughs> started too. I mean a streak that started in nineteen forty and Yeah, and, and I guess I guess to be fair, they didn't play each other very you know, they didn't play each other every single one of those years. I don't know how many years they actually played each other but it you know that you do take that into consideration. So where all do you cover in eastern Indiana? We talked about Richmond, but how far out do you get around Indiana to see these games? Indiana, probably the furthest west we go is Hagerstown. And, well, we cover, we cover six schools in Wayne County, so the furthest west we get is Hagerstown and Cambridge City, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we, we sprinkle in a little bit of Tri and Knightstown in relation to the rest of the Tri-Eastern Conference teams. We go to North. We, we go to Randolph, Randolph County, which includes Union City, Winchester, Randolph Southern, 
you know, don't forget the fact that the last two years, Union City and Winchester have both made it to the state championship game in girls basketball. So, again, it's small communities, but a lot of a lot of pride in, in their sports. And then to the south, we cover Union Union County and Liberty, Indiana, and we also cover. You know, we still pay attention to three schools uh, in Ohio: Tri Village, which is in Dark County. And two Preble County schools, National Trail here in New Paris, Ohio, and Eaton, Ohio. And actually, I think as far as distance goes, I've been told that after Richmond and Seton Catholic, the next closest school is National Trail. So we, we do what we can with them. But obviously, it, it's a lot. We do a lot more with the Tri-Eastern Conference schools that play each other all the time. So. Now, with the Tri-Eastern Conference, most schools are closer to each other whereas the north central conference which is richmond's conference you yeah. have you have a lot of road trips to go through yeah well honestly we we have a lot of help from our sister papers in lafayette and muncie that that cover a lot of those away games for us but yeah i mean they're, they're pretty far and you're doing a lot more things remotely now than you were a couple of years ago where people send you results and you pay attention to the results and seek out the human interest story more than anything now i know you said you got a lot of help from the sister papers but is there any trips that you circle on the calendar like i'm going i'd say i'd say obviously the postseason i guess if richmond was winning its first North central conference in a couple years Mm -hmm. in in basketball you know obviously you're going to try to make a trip like that but we, we work together and we trust each other that you know a couple years ago at muncie if Richmond is at Muncie Central with a chance to win the conference, we we know our colleagues up in Muncie are going to do a great job with that as well. But yeah, when it comes to postseason, we we uh, we do as much as we can. Obviously, Richmond, we are Richmond paper, so Richmond we'll, we'll follow them as far as we can. Postseason, I think I think the furthest I've gone is Lafayette to cover uh, semi-state softball. My state basketball, or sorry, regional championship basketball. I guess we went to Seymour. Obviously, I can't forget about that one. Mm. We went to Seymour to cover Richmond boys basketball in 2015. Unforgettable trips that day. And we went to Columbus, Ohio, to cover Tri Village winning the state championship in 2015. That was an unforgettable day too. Was that the unbeaten season that the Patriots have? Yep, that, that's the one. Now that that 2015 year was special. We had sectional champions in Richmond, Northeastern, Seton Catholic, uh, three Wayne County schools, and then Richmond made it all the way to the semi-state. I can't remember if North... I think Northeastern didn't make it to the regional championships that day. They made it the following year. But I think a week later, because Ohio, I think, works a week later. But, yeah, Tri-Village was... It was just so good. I think my first year covering them... I went to University of Dayton Arena just about every year to cover them in the district championship game, and Trent Arena in Kettering for the regional game, and then they were due, I think, because had so many heartbreaking losses the last couple of last years leading up to that. And that thirty nothing year was—I'll I'll never forget it. I think I got video of, of uh, Colton Linkus making that game-winning shot in the last couple of seconds. I remember I had a pretty comfortable lead, and then was it? I don't think it was Winchester Canal, Winchester. I, I forget who they play, who they beat in the state championship game, but anyway. Was that hard? They to um, they made a they made a run to get back in the game and either tie or take the lead and then Colton Lincoln comes up with a slow jumper, a little floater, and 
won some games for I think my first year, too, better not forget about this one, my first year full-time here, I uh, I covered the Tribalist Girls making it to the state state semifinal. And Kayla Linkus, Colton Linkus's older sister, she had 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds, which I don't know, I want to say she was either the first or the third person in Ohio ever to do that in girls' basketball, but... Um, uh, I was spoiled with, with a lot of early success and exciting, exciting, uh, exciting games. It's neat to see Tri Village have the success in basketball, and then see them grow the sport of football too. Yeah, you hope you hope they have success at there too, uh, at that too. Nothing's guaranteed. I mean, I've seen a lot of schools that year in and year out they're good at basketball, and then they, they just. It takes different kinds of athletes for football, I guess. I don't, I don't think I've had a winning season yet, unless unless they did the year they played the JV schedule, I don't remember. But, yeah, I mean, that's one thing to look out for. They take a lot of pride in their athletics. I mean, New Madison, Ohio is so small, but they take a lot of pride. I mean, don't forget Clayton Murphy. Um, Clayton Murphy, uh, Olympic medalist, uh, you know, I think he graduated from Village my second year working here full time, and we, we covered him over the phone and stuff like that, and just watched him on TV. Uh, we had a stringer a couple of years ago, Ron Greason, go to Tri Village, where they were watching him run in the Olympics. Um, so yeah, you know, good, best of luck to their football team over there. I know it's not going to happen overnight, but if it did, it wouldn't shock me. You know, if they had success overnight in football there. It wouldn't shock me because that's the kind of sports community they have over there. Now, as someone that gets to cover Richmond area sports, what are some things you'd like to see added on to the local sports scene in eastern Indiana? What are some, some things I'd like to see? I don't know. I, I'd like I'd like to see them win a little bit more. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I think that would be everybody's answer at any level. You know, Tri Village went thirty and zero, and if you ask their coach. What could he have done better? I'm sure he could tell you, well, you know, it's not like they shut out every team. It's not like, you know, there's always something you can do better in athletics. But, I mean, that's stupid. That's kind of a silly uh, example because you don't shut out teams in basketball. But yeah. there's always something you can do better. But but you know what? That, that 2015 run to the semi-state in boys' basketball, that was so special. And you know how special that was? That was the first regional championship for Richmond basketball since they won the state championship in 1992. 92 was the only year that they've ever won a state championship in boys basketball. Now, that tells you how hard that is to do something like that. Um, so, I think it would be unfair to expect Richmond to to win a regional every year or every other year or um, even a sectional, obviously, because they play against a lot of tough competition. Um but man, if I, you know that that'll be a year I'll, I'll never forget. And if I can make more trips like that, you know that's my dream. And we're always going to have a sectional championship, a sectional champion or two in the area. Obviously, Richmond is, is the bread and butter of our sports here, and the TEC schools are always most most of the time it's six or seven TEC teams playing against each other. So we're going to have one team that that wins a sectional in, in class two A. So I don't know. I, I just enjoy talking to the kids, even even sometimes after they lose. Uh, if, if it's a competitive game, if it's one or two plays, that changes, changes things. Um, 
you know, it gives you something more to write about. I don't want to sound like I'm dogging our teams for not winning. I'm just kind of giving some perspective that it's not easy to win every single day. And, you know, you graduate five starters from that from that semi-state team, from that regional championship team. It, it, it's pretty unrealistic to expect them to win a conference title the next day with a new coach, with uh, with new rules, with a bunch of players that have played only JV. You know, football, obviously, they had the worst season in school history last year, 0-10. And obviously, I'd never, I'd never imagined that I would cover a year like that. I never, you know, I, I want to see more competitive games when I cover them. You know, it's it's a, uh, it's, it's it's not given that they're going to turn around and win the North Central Conference this year just because they have a new coach. So, but I wouldn't put anything past them. And NCC, like we previously mentioned, you mean you got representatives from Indianapolis, Fort Wayne? I think there's a team in Fort Wayne. No, there, there's three in Lafayette. Oh. Yeah, Lafayette, Anderson, Muncie, a couple of Indianapolis teams, Richmond, Marion. I'd probably, I'd probably go over all of them with you. They had a Huntington North a couple of years ago in Newcastle. We're one of the first members, but. Newcastle, their uh, basketball, their basketball arena seats what nine thousand, and that's one of the biggest in the state. Uh, Newcastle is the big. Newcastle is the big, the largest high school field house in the world. That's insane to think about. That's awesome. Yeah. And Richmond's but, in the top ten in the state, right? Yeah, I can probably pull up real quick. I think they're. I want to say they're number five, but five or six. Yeah. Recently, the other day, I saw something about the Richmond's old gym, Civic Hall. Uh, Civic Hall, yeah. Yeah, obviously, that was a little bit before my time, but lots of nostalgia around there. So, And the gym now is the Tiernan Center, right? Yep. Indiana, yeah, beautiful place. Indiana University East basketball used to play at Tiernan, too, right? Uh, yeah, they, they used to, yeah, but they got their own gym now. It's just, you know... If you look at Richmond and all the athletic facilities they have here, we're we're pretty spoiled. <laughs> but but we're um again people get behind their athletics. IU East has a great arena. Oldham College they have a great basketball uh field house. Uh, again I went there so I have everything, you know, uh, indoor track and everything you could ask for. Hmm. Uh, McBride Stadium, Sadler Stadium, Chandon Center, Liebolt Field has turf on it, uh, soccer teams get to play there. Oldham College football team, that's where they play lacrosse and field hockey. So, lots of great facilities here. Now, recently, you were at Fifth Third Field in downtown Dayton, Ohio, and it was a game I was working with the Dragons, too, to cover Cole Bartlett of Hagerstown, Indiana. He's part of the Kane County Cougars, the single-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I mentioned on Twitter, it's not every day you get to see a local kid be on one of these teams, in that case, Patrick McGuff from Hamilton, Ohio with the Dragons, but Bartlett representing Hagerstown, Indiana with the Kane County Cougars. What was that like covering covering that event? I'll, I'll tell you what, man, that was, that, was one of my, that was one of my dreams come true. I know that sounds silly, but people that know me know I'm a baseball guy more than anything. You know, baseball is what brought me and my dad so close together a couple years ago, or Way back when I was in high school, brought us really close together. Major League Baseball was my dream job, and, and and if you talk about athletes, and you know, we talked about getting, I talked about getting spoiled with a lot of team success. I'll tell you what, I got spoiled interviewing a kid like Cole Bartlett, 
my first three years here hmm. because he was a classy kid, always respectful. This is a story that I'll never forget. I remember tweeting out one day. I was in the press box. It, it looked like it was a. It looked like a ball from where I was sitting. He had a. The umpire called it a strike, and Cole looks back and smiles at the umpire. I think the next pitch he hits out of the park for a home run, and and I remember tweeting about that, and Cole responded right away, and he said, "Oh, I was just. I don't know what comment it was. It just it just jumps out to me the fact that he he pointed that out, and also you know." When when Cole signed to play for Missouri, and I was watching the Major League Baseball draft, I think I think the year Trey Ball got drafted out of Newcastle, but that year, um, <laughs> I remember Rob Sestrisny getting drafted by the Chicago Cubs, and Cole Bartlett tweeted at me, "Hey, your favorite team drafted somebody from Mizzou." Hmm. That that was uh, I'll never forget that because you know who, who pays that much attention to to my tweets. <laughs> You know, and, uh, I guess it's hard to miss the fact that I'm a Cubs fan. I'm probably one of the more annoying ones on, on social media, but <laughs> he, noticed, he noticed that and he tweeted out and it meant a lot to see that. So watching him have success, I think he may have had Tommy John surgery his sophomore year uh, at Missouri. It's, it's hard to tell how, if or how they'll ever come back from that. To see him get drafted, to see him have a great junior and senior years at Missouri, and getting to watch him pitch and do as well as he did. If you remember, he allowed one run in three three relief innings to get to do that so close to his hometown and see talk to his parents before the game. And oh, you remember me, you know? I went, I went to the to his uh, locker room area and he saw him right away and he said, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, he remembered me and. I hope the kid does well so I can cover him more. <laughs> hope he gets traded hope he gets traded to the Cubs and wins the World Series with him. And I can cover that. <laughs> hey if but, if he gets traded, you know, soon when he's still in single A, he'll be in South Bend and South Bend well actually South Bend's not due to come back to Dayton this year, but you know, you could see the S B yeah. Cubs and the Dragons more type of thing. But that is really, really cool to see. I guess they could trade him to the Reds organization and he'd play at Dayton every week. But Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Come over to Dayton, say hi and everything. <laughs> but I mean, you know, obviously at that level it's not easy to you know, it's not easy to keep following your dream when um you know, people say sometimes you get paid to do you get paid to do something people would love to get paid to do. You know, it's, it's everyone's dream you're playing you're playing a game. But it's not easy. You know, you're not you're not a millionaire until you're in the show. Um and you got another uh, other things to take to take uh, to take care of in life, and it's a grind day in and day out. And I've never heard a complaint from Cole. You know, he's living the dream. He understands. He, he's blessed to be where he's at. But it's going to take some years, and I think he's got the right mindset to to put the work in and and keep getting better and stay stay with it. And you know, maybe he makes a show one day. Maybe he doesn't. I wish him nothing but the best. And, and I was happy to see it because because that weekend I. It was a three-game series. When you're a reliever, you never know if or when you're going to pitch. Um, so I got to um, – I went out there, took some photos of him warming up. And um, so I, if you remember, I just went to the press box and edited my photos, and, and there goes Cole Bartlett. So I ran back down there and got to see him pitch three innings and do very well. So I was happy for him and his family. Yeah, he pitched – Outstanding, and that was a really good pitch game by the Cougars as well. I mean, three relievers, yeah. and the starter and Bartlett go 
what, about eight innings and only give up two earned runs between the two, and they were roommates. So Yeah, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I a funny story before the game, I asked Cole, I said, hey, do you, you know, do you have anybody that you're pretty close to on the team that would mind talking to me? He said, well, this guy, but he's starting tonight, and he's my roommate, and, you know, he gave me a lot of funny stories, and, you know, both pretty nice, both seem to be pretty nice character guys, and I was happy to see them win the game and pitch as well as they did. That's got to be a great story that you remember, and you share a lot yeah. of them on Twitter. Give me some more stories that you fondly remember. We talk about Tri-Village's perfect year in boys' basketball. We talk about, you know, Richmond. What are some of the athletes and stories that you remember the most that you will always keep with you? I try to take notes because I want to make sure I don't forget any. But I guess, well, I guess one thing I haven't mentioned, I moved to Union City uh, when I got married uh, a couple years ago, and since I've lived in Randolph County, every year since I've lived in Randolph County, there's been a girls' basketball team that make, made it to the state championship game for Randolph County. <laughs> <laughs> Union City in 2016 and then Winchester last year. But anyway, those were those were memorable runs. And I know uh, I think Union City was playing the top-ranked team in Class A. I think most people, probably most people didn't give them a chance, but I got to cover them. You know, you, you get to know the, the athletes and the coaches, and um, that was a memorable day because it was my first state championship game I covered in Indiana. And then this past March, February, going back there, I was on paternity leave, and I came back, and the first event I covered was Winchester in the state championship game in Class 2A. It, I, I'd say they were probably favored going into the game, but they were playing they were playing a couple injured players, and the the best player in the area got injured during the game, grinded it out, and just just got to be too much going against Winchester. But I I expect them to to be making another run in the next year or two. But again, we're talking about Richmond and how long it's been for them. There's nothing guaranteed that that Winchester is going to make it back to the state championship game. So. Um, those were memorable. Ty Village was memorable. You know, the, the River Rats, again, being a baseball guy, I really enjoyed covering those games. And the Jazz haven't been as successful, but it, it was nice to see the baseball playoff come back from the drive last year. Again, I'm an Earl grad that played baseball there, so I enjoyed watching the, watching them win the HCAC last year. My first year, I covered first or second year, Bo Van Pelt, PGA golfer, came back to Indiana. I got to go see him golf in um, – Indianapolis and Carmel, um, little things like the Red Caravan. <laughs> That's pretty uh, cool. J- yeah, Josh Chapin's a, a big Reds fan. Um, <laughs> so one of the first Red Caravans, he said, "Hey, I can't make it. Do you want to go?" I was like, "Heck yeah, man!" I'm not like a Reds fan, but I think it was Jay Bruce at the time. It was a big name. I got to meet Billy, Billy Hamilton, O'Brien Price a couple years ago, or maybe last last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. Took a selfie with him. So those are neat. Actually, you're talking about the Reds Caravan. Probably no one really remembers Brian Pena. Do you remember Brian Pena? Brian Pena, the backup catcher. Yep. And yeah. It's a funny story. I, I I go up to him a couple of years ago. I said, "Hola, cómo estás?" <laughs> Which, for those of you that don't know, that means "Hello, how are you?" in Spanish. <laughs> but his, his his eyes lit up, and he was like, he called me away, which means. 
it's kind of dude, but it's more Mexican slang. Mm-hmm. Brian is Cuban, but he he uh, he goes Capaso I was like, I thought I thought way was a Mexican word. And he he was really excited because he had never seen somebody he had never seen somebody speak. He didn't expect to see somebody that speaks Spanish around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I always look back on that. I'm like, man, I wonder if I could have like you know kept the conversation going, but I was there to do a do an assignment. So I was like, hey, let me let me interview you real quick. So I kind of got professional pretty quickly. I'm like, man, I can I can probably buy this guy a beer and <laughs> hang out with him. But I, I, I don't know. It's just a funny story. And I tweeted out a photo with him and or of him, and he he retweeted me. And I don't know. That was one of those nice fun stories. That is so, really cool. Yeah, actually, I better, not forget, I better not forget this one. I, I, you know, if you want to talk about high school events that are memorable, yeah, you know, go Chastity for it. Chastity Wamper won a gymnastic state title a couple years ago. Uh, obviously, Ike Camus of Richmond won a couple state titles, and Sarah Lewis of, of Eaton, Ohio, won a couple state titles, set a couple state records. You know, I, I better not. <laughs> I'm sure I'm probably forgetting somebody else that won a state title or made it to state. I know Jenna Barker, one of the top athletes in the area. And, and then if I if I can go ahead and, and give us a plug, we, we started doing the Mayan Barnes Athlete of the Year Award this week. So guys, look out for that on PalItem.com. Mayan Barnes was a sports reporter when I was an intern here, and we, we've named that award after him. So he passed away when I was in college, a pretty young guy when, when that happened. So people still still talk about him to this day. I remember you sharing that on Twitter, and I was – Going to get to that. Uh, who are some of the athletes that people can expect to see for this award? Well, if I give them away, we're not. <laughs> if I give them away, they're not going to be as much of a surprise. But I think I've already mentioned a couple of them that that won state titles and made it to state the last couple of years. And uh, there's been some really exciting years when we have a lot of obvious choices. I mean, there's been some years where out of the blue. Uh, it's the springtime, and and we get a guy from a person from Ohio that makes a late run. Oh, yeah, she's definitely uh, more deserving than anybody else we've considered. So, <laughs> yeah, just remember we we um, we take into account Wayne County, Union County, Randolph County, uh, just three schools in Randolph County, and then Eaton National Trail and Tri Village. So, we've announced our first two: Hagerstown's Jalen Oliver and. Seton Catholic Sarah Dickman. A lot of times you, you can look at this guy is obviously the best athlete around the area, but a lot of times more it's you know they've, what they've meant to the school, the success that they've had as a team. So it's not always necessarily the best the best athlete. Let me ask this: when you cross the state line from Ohio to Indiana and vice versa, what really changes in terms of? how you cover sports and what you see in sports. I'll tell you this. What I've noticed, if you look at Hoosiers and what basketball means to Indiana, I'm not going to say that, it, that people aren't as passionate about it in Ohio, but I don't know if much changes. But I, I, I will say I've, I've heard that Ohio is a lot more into football. That, that football in Ohio is better than football in Indiana. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of, of, of both of those, but that's what I've heard. Um, I know I've seen a couple of Eaton games. I don't get to see them very often, but a couple of years ago, I, when I got to see them, I'm like, man, this is 
Well, they, they throw the ball a lot more in, in Ohio. They seem to. At least a lot more than TEC schools. Mm-hmm. I know uh, a couple years ago when National Trail, who's always been pretty bad at football, they made it to the playoffs, and they were throwing the, lot, the ball a lot more than they usually do. I don't know that that same formula is going to work in Indiana. I don't know if they have the same caliber athletes, but it's one of the things I've heard. I know that was pretty, you know, spread the ball a lot more in, in, in Ohio. And I got to see well, that year when I covered National Trail, I covered them in the playoff game, and I'm like, man, you know, they, they look solid. They, I don't remember the specifics of the game, but I know they had a chance to come back and make the game out of it. They, you know, they obviously were overmatched. I know there's uh-huh. a very tiny handful of teams around Dayton that run the ball primarily. Beaver Creek had a triple option for a couple of years. I don't know if they still do or not, but that's pretty interesting to talk about the football, yeah. which also football season, it starts a week earlier in Indiana and Kentucky than it does in Ohio. Yeah. I see Indiana and Kentucky football scores like, but wait, what's the scores in Ohio? Oh, yeah, it's the first week. Never mind. I always, yeah. I always wondered why that was. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I do know that uh, Indiana has nine regular season games, I believe, and then they're they're everybody plays in the sectional, so they have they have they're guaranteed ten, ten games. Whereas Ohio, they're guaranteed ten games, and only certain teams qualify for the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know if that has, I don't know if that has anything to do with that. Thing that comes to mind. I know um, you mentioned the Indiana thing, but in Ohio, it goes by computer points. I, I just look at uh, by computer points, and I see all that. And like Twin Valley South, a couple years back in my hometown, they were seven and zero heading into the last few weeks, and they lost both games. And they were from hosting a playoff game, which would be the first time since nineteen ninety nine. To you're out of the playoffs because of computer points, and that was the year. Yeah, they missed the playoffs seven and two, and that was the year Bradford didn't have a team because they didn't have enough bodies to play. Huh. Was that the year National Trail made the playoffs? I kind of remember looking up hmm. those computer points every week, but I, I, I don't know. I, I know Tri County North was always good for a couple of years. Actually, we covered Tri County North and Twin Valley South when I first started here in Trouble Shawnee, that, but I got to uh, the first. I actually covered a Tri-County North playoff game maybe in 2012 or 2013, but I, but I definitely covered them one year. And that's really cool. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, for someone from Preble County, I mean, the the five schools here don't get as much coverage in the Dayton area just because, you know, smaller schools and you always have your bigger schools get more coverage. You know, if Wayne and Centerville is playing, that's Centerville, Ohio. I, I can't believe there's two Centervilles, and I always have to make sure. Is this Centerville, Indiana? Is this Centerville, Ohio? Is this the one with Warm Glow, the candle factory, or is this the one that's, you know, that big city? Centerville has that, that warm, warm Glow candle. And Centerville, Indiana, that's the smaller school of the two. Centerville, Ohio is huge, and they have ice hockey, which I get to cover, okay. and I love. But that is really cool, though, about, you know, getting to cover – Preble County schools, and I know National Trail's just, you know, stones throw away from Richmond, down 40, and Eaton, down 35, you know. It's really cool, though. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I know I'm probably going to interrupt you a lot and bring up more memories, but uh, one of the one of the, one of the neat, neatest stories I've done is interviewing Jack Harbaugh at Eaton. It, it was either they, the, well, I, I may have called him when they played their last game at Park Avenue Field, 
and I called him when they when when John and Jim played each other in the Super Bowl, and and Jack came back to Eaton when they made their debut at. Uh, I don't remember the field, the name of the new field, or if they even have one. But um, <laughs> that's that's very bad. But I don't remember that. But I remember talking to them when they made their their debut there. That was really cool. Yeah, that new stadium Eaton has is nice, but Park Avenue was something else. You just feel like the old-school charm of Park Avenue Field. And that's not to say the new stadium doesn't have its own charm. I mean, I called a couple soccer and football games there, and especially in the fall when the leaves change color. Ooh, it was beautiful up there from the press box. Heck of a walk, but, hey, it was all right. Yeah, I think think if you ask a lot of the younger kids, they they love the new stadium and – I guess I, when when they played the last game at Park Avenue Field, I I was there and talked to a lot of the sixty seven year old uh, people there and just had so many great memories. I'm like, man, you know, it feels like I'm, it feels like I'm part of this, even though I I probably wasn't even alive when most of them played. So I always thought Eaton was like Richmond Junior in terms of cities, not sports, but you know, Richmond's like the bigger Eaton and Eaton's got couple things here yeah. and there type of thing. Yeah, Eaton's a beautiful, has beautiful facilities and everything. Um, it's a beautiful city, too. Yeah. So that's where Josh Chapin um, went to school, former sports editor, so shout out to him. He, I learned a lot from him, and he had some sort of connection with uh, with Ron Neen, and I think he played, he played for him at some point, or he was his counselor, maybe both, but... That's that's pretty cool. I mean, we, yeah. we saw each other during River Rat season a couple times this season, but mostly it was always Josh coming up the press box stairs to bring the gear and everything. So, But like I mentioned to start off the podcast episode, if there's anyone that knows Richmond, Indiana sports and the area around it, it's you, my friend. <laughs> now, we're coming into the 2018-19 school year. It's hard to believe. But what are you looking forward to this season as sports ramp up again in eastern Indiana? Well, I think the big question mark is those new coaches at Richmond for both football and basketball. Those are the moneymaker sports. I guess I, I can't leave this out. Ter- um, terrible news that with Casey Poland, the Richmond girls basketball coach, passing away, so they're going to have a new coach too. And you bet your butt, you know, I'll bet you. I bet you they're going to be playing some inspired basketball there for him. I know they got a lot of young <laughs> – they had a couple young freshmen that were pretty talented that are going to come back and uh, have some experience. So I, um, I'm i excited to see. I know, like I said, I, I don't expect Richmond to win a state title in football and, and basketball this year, but you know, I'm excited to see the progress, the plan, how long it's going to take, how the new athletes – how the athletes – how long they take to, to mesh with the new coach and with each other. I think I heard uh, Rick, you know, with Rick Wedlow leaving, I think I heard Ricky is transferring, which is, uh, it, it's too bad, but, but I get it. So, it, it, you know, they, they graduate Christian Harvey, those Ricky Wedlow and new coach. You, you can't expect them to, to compete for a state title, but, you know, you can expect them to work their butts off every single game and every single day in practice. I, I have no doubt about that. Just looking forward to sitting down with those coaches and hearing their plan and hearing how the guys take up, how quick the guys take to adjust to them. And, and then, like I said, with Trey's basketball, looking forward to see how inspired they are. I, I think uh, a couple 
really exciting golfers too. Uh, better not forget them. I know Richmond's boys tennis team was was still pretty solid. They they were pretty young and they made it to state last year. Not not last year, but in 2016. And they graduated a couple kids, but they still have most of their core coming back. And I think last year when Larry Cochran was hired as DAD, he said, you know, yeah, maybe the Richmond the boys basketball and football teams aren't winning as much as you'd like them to, but if you look at diving, you look at golf, you look at tennis, we've got a lot of good things going on for us. I don't know volleyball had a solid season. But you're graduating you graduate kids every year. You have freshmen that you never know how good they're going to be. I guess I better not leave out Winchester. They graduated one JV player after making it to the Grove State Championship basketball game. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. To, I'm expecting to see them play determined basketball as well. And Maddie Lawrence, man, she's, she's a good athlete. I saw on Twitter where she had her first her first college offer from Bethel. Uh, She's only going to be a junior, so I expect quite a few of those to start flowing in pretty soon. And and, and I'll go out on a limb and say that I expect a lot of people to catch, to pay attention to her. And I don't know. I mean, we don't see athletes that caliber, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say she might be in the conversation for Miss Basketball in a couple years. Just keep an eye out for her. I mentioned some of the golfers, but Jake Miller, uh, I've, I've written about that kid since he was in fifth or sixth grade, and He's going to be a senior now. He's made it to state two two of his three years. Was tenth as a freshman, and I expect him to have a great year. And same for J.C. Cornett and Kayla Kayla Owens. Or sorry, Chris Owens. There's someone else I wanted to mention during this podcast. It seems lately there's been a big Richmond, Indiana, the right state pipeline. Uh, for baseball, you got Matt Morrow, who's now in the Pittsburgh Pirates farm system. He didn't get drafted, but he got signed, and I was really happy to see that. And for women's basketball, you got two former Red Devils. You got Mackenzie Taylor, whose upcoming uh, senior year at Wright State be 2018-2019, and Kim Demings, who is only the second Raider to have her jersey retired in basketball. The other one being Middletown's Bill Edwards, who really did some work at Wright State. Yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. I don't know if there's any. I don't know if there's any specific to that, other than the fact that. Uh, Dayton is pretty close to to Richmond, but that was awesome to see. And I covered McKenzie. You know, I, I think if McKenzie Taylor doesn't get injured her sophomore year at Richmond or her junior year, she's an Indiana All-Star. But I, and I don't know that for a fact. You know, he, she she was solid all around, and I think she was third all-time. And, well, I don't know. She was one of the top-scoring players in girls' basketball history at Richmond. Uh, she, well, she's going to be a junior, I believe, or senior now. Taylor, senior this upcoming senior. year. Oh wow! Yeah. yeah. So you know, she, she it sounds like she's had a solid career there at, at Wright State. And Kim Demings, I don't know if you know much about her story, but she was either cut from her team or at Richmond and had a lot of issues. And you know, those are the stories that we love to see—stories of perseverance. Obviously, you don't love to see them get kicked off the team. You just love to see a kid that can pick himself up after something like that. And you know, talk about playing determined basketball. She she was one of our top. She was one of our Mayan Barnes Athlete of the Year finalists. My first year here, our first year doing the award, mm-hmm. and you know I would have loved to. I, I never actually got to cover her or see her play. I would have loved to to write a little bit more about her, and you know maybe I will a little bit more in the next couple of years. I got to cover at least one of her Wright State seasons, and she was just electric on the floor. It was yeah. it was nice to see. I mean, Wright State's women's basketball is really on the up and up. They still haven't got over the 
the the leader of the Horizon League. That's the Green Bay Phoenix. But you know what? Wright State got to the big dance their first time a couple years back. Lost to Kentucky, but they're strong. And I know Mackenzie Taylor is going to have a good year at Wright State. And this is going to be Katrina <laughs> Merriweather's second year as the Raiders head coach. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for her. And I, I know Josh did a couple of nice stories when he was still here. He went out and covered covered McKenzie and Kim playing together on the on the same on the same court. I think they both started together at the time. Mm. Um, I know this year when they retired her jersey, Casey Pullman sent me a video from from the ceremony. It was really really neat. And like I said, it, it, it's those stories of perseverance. People that don't always have parents paying for private lessons, or you know, they, they have. They overcome a little bit of adversity, and you know sometimes it, it means a little bit more to see them succeed as much and, and make an impact. You know because you know why? Because because sometimes there's a kid that's going through something somewhere, and and they feel like you know I'm never going to make it. And then you see somebody that wow, they went through something I'm going through right now, and they're there right now. You know that's what that's what really touches me sometimes. Hey, Sus, for all the folks out there that want to be sports writers, what pieces of advice can you give them to get to their dream job? Um, don't, don't take out too many college loans. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. You, you got to love what you're doing. You got to love what you're doing. Be open to doing new things. I, again, I, I knew nothing about gymnastics when I started here and then I get to cover state champion gymnast, one of the best stories, right, one of the nicest stories. Be versatile, you know. When I was in college, I, I wrote for the newspaper, but I was also, uh, like, you know, I need to take a radio news class. I need to learn how to do video. Uh, at that time, they didn't put as much emphasis on social media, but I, I was pretty active on social media. I don't know, just be versatile. You know, if someone asks you to do video, um, I mean, to learn how to do video, learn how to do social media, learn how to talk to different kinds of people. Don't, you know, you, you get pretty comfortable sometimes doing the game story where you write play-by-plays, but don't be afraid to do a, a story that makes you uncomfortable sometimes. Like, for example, I did a story that was not a sports story this summer. Uh, a mom here in Richmond that raised 35 kids that you know, some were adopted. But just, you know, sometimes there's a sports connection there and it's a really good story, but it's not all, it, it's far, far from all about what's on the field. And every single athlete you talk to has a story and you got to find the ones that are worth telling. Like, Kim, you know, mention Kim Demings again. What she overcame was a heck of a story and where she's gotten to makes it that much better. You know, don't bubble yourself into just, I write sports, I write gamers, you just feel into because again, you know, you get comfortable, you you get into a routine, and then just uh, just be open to, to doing new things. Asus, my last question: If people are interested in learning more about Richmond sports and reading your stories, where can they follow you at on social media? <laughs> my, my Twitter account is at Asus F M N S P I, and I've got a personal and a, and a uh, business Facebook pages. I'm pretty pretty welcoming on there. You find a lot of find a lot of photos of my of my five month old baby on there. But um, you follow me for the sports. Stay for the baby pictures. How is <laughs> she? How is she doing? Well, by the way, she's great, man. She's uh she's growing fast. <laughs> Here's what I was telling people when she was two weeks old. I was like, 
was like, man, I'm not sure she's going to be a great softball player. She's missing half the half the ground balls I'm hitting at her. But <laughs> she'll be she'll be six months here in a, in a couple of weeks. So so she'll um put put have a glove on pretty soon. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for asking, man. No problem. I'm happy for you, Jesus. Yeah, thanks. That's Jesus Jimenez from the Pal Item in Richmond, Indiana, and that will close out episode 53 of the Gem of the Queen's Crown. Jesus, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Leon. Best of luck with everything, man. Uh, I'll hope, hope to see you at a Dayton Dragons game again soon. I hope to see you at a future event soon, you know? Don't be a stranger in Dayton, Ohio, all right? All right. Thanks, buddy. Good luck. Thank you very much. This has been the Gem on the Queen's Crown, episode 53, now in the books. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Closing theme provided by Roy Matz at RoyMatz.com. For every available platform to listen to the podcast, please visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast. For podcast updates, like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. On Twitter, follow the podcast at Gem on Queen Crown and the host at The Lee W. Mowen.